Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. And my name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. Well, the Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today we are back with another episode. We're excited about this. Jason and I are here uh, sitting around the table. We have been thinking about this episode for a few weeks. We have been so busy. We've been swamped. We have been For some reason, the last few weeks have been just real busy up here at the church with either personal life or, or church life. And my goodness, but we are excited to talk, sit down and take a breather for a minute. And open scripture together, right? right? Right. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I, I appreciate the opportunity for us to, to come and, and, and do the podcast. We've tried to set date and time for us to be able to do this particular episode, and we've just, it's just been difficult. And so now, here it is, Monday morning, and we're trying to record this, and then we've got both have busy schedules for the rest of the day. So um, we're going to work this in, and I, I, I pray, as you prayed before we went on air, that this would be um, beneficial to those who would hear it. Yeah, and we 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 hope so. This is something that, uh, as we have been talking and planning through the fall schedule for the podcast, we want it to be beneficial for you guys and those who are faithful listeners. We want to keep it vibrant. Um, we want to have some variety here so that it's not the same old same old every every week. And so this is just an attempt for us to. Uh, throw in something that doesn't really have any specific ties to anything. We just thought about uh, answering the question, who's the man that we find in Psalm chapter 1? Every one of us, most of us at least, are familiar with the famous Psalm 1. Blessed is the man um, who walks not, and they will read it in just a few minutes, but that should be a, a pretty interesting question to ask, even at face value, reading through this psalm. Who's the man? Who is this about? How should we interpret this psalm? And what good is it for the life of the Christian? Right. And I think that part of the impetus for the discussion, um, Debbie, comes from the fact that we're, we're working through the book of Romans. We've been working through verse by verse uh, all year. And we came to Romans chapter 7, which is a wonderful chapter, in which Paul uh, deals with the uh, believer and sin, and he talks about how the believer, though justified and given the Holy Spirit, still battles with sin. For example, verse 15 of chapter 7 says, I do not understand my own action, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And he goes on later in the chapter, he he says three different times there in verse 20, but sin dwells within me. He says it again in uh, verse 24, sin dwells in my members. And he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But he, he, he contrasts the believer who delights in the law of the Lord, and he has um, the law of 
God uh, as a means of obedience, but but then he struggles with that sin. And how does that look in the life of a believer? That's right. And we come to Romans chapter eight, and then Romans eight is just it's it's a breath of fresh air. But it doesn't mean that it negates the battle that we see in, and we actually see the, the furtherance of the battle even in the first part of, of chapter 8. But it's a totally different perspective. We see this battle in the life of the Christian in seven, in chapter 7. But we, we see it happen as well in, cha- in chapter 8. But it comes with a, a dose of assurance yes. and grace yes. and mercy extended to the believer. Yes. Although this this uh, obligation of obedience, we could put it that way, for the for the believer to the law of God and mm. to God, what God has for them. There yes. is that. Yes. Um, but anyway, I mean... Chap- chapter 8 begins with there's no condemnation. There is no... Con- praise God for that. Right. Those, there's this, there, though there is this battle for sin, or with sin, I yes. should say, yes. and you find that wherever you are, uh, sin is right there with me, um, there's no condemnation because the righteousness that Christ has earned for us has been imputed to us. And then Paul begins chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And so um, we could not save ourselves. We could not merit enough righteousness by keeping the law because we cannot do it. That's right. And so That's this right. this got us to thinking um, how that in these verses of Romans chapter 8, we see that contrast of the believer who is justified and indwelt by the Spirit of God. And then in verses 6 and 7 in that same chapter, we see this contrast. For to set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All of that helped us one day in my office as we're discussing future podcast episodes. Um, Hey, what about Psalm 1? Yeah, yeah. And so that transitions us now to talk about Psalm 1. Yeah, and, and this is the, the, the million-dollar question is, who is it? First of all, who is the man that is blessed is the man who walks not in the council? But in verse 2, but his, speaking of the man, delight is in the law of the Lord. How do we, how do we balance what we know the law can't do? The law cannot give us grace or mercy, or justification. It can't do anything for us. It doesn't even give us the it ability does, to obey. It doesn't even give us an ability. But yet, the psalmist here, and we're going to get to this in a few minutes, he delights in that law. So there, what is the disconnect or seeming disconnect, right? right. And we find this, uh, this verbiage and all of these sorts of language in Romans 7 and, and really in 6, 7, and 8. Right. We have this long extended section on the life of the, in the spirit and the life in the flesh and the battle. So let's, let's examine, Jason, let's look at Psalm chapter 1. So listener, if you have the ability, uh, maybe on your phone, uh, maybe it's your computer, maybe you have your, your uh, paper copy of your Bible in hand, we're going to read from Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read all six <laughs> verses in the ESV translation. And so just allow me to do that, and we're going to have Jason do some, uh, some brief exposition of this psalm, and then we're going to get to the question. 
So Psalm chapter one, beginning in verse one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. He, and remember this is all coming back to the man, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Notice the transition, listener, in verse 4. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I hope you notice this contrast. I'm going to uh, toss this over to Jason. He's going to walk us through this a bit. But there's a distinct contrast, these two ways, these two paths uh, that are presented in Psalm chapter 1. I, and, and I think that it's clearly seen in the, the fact that the psalm starts with blessed is the man, but it ends with the word perish. So it, it, it immediately, when you look at the psalm and you're looking at it from front to back, you see that there's a contrast that is given to us here. Just as we just read in Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. So then what we think about when we look at this particular psalm is blessed. What is blessed? And the, we tend to um, use the synonym happy, which is yeah. which is a little weak. It is. It, it, it really, happiness is fleeting. We all know that, right? right. It, it, it's, we, a, a lot of Bible translators and Bible teachers use that word, particularly when we talked about, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, happy are the pure in heart and um, happy when you are persecuted. And, and happiness uh, means something different, I think, in this context. It, it, it would mean the idea of um, being in union with Christ. It's the idea of having a, a, a unique and special relationship with God in which there's the peace with God that comes from um, all hostilities against you have ceased. Um, that kind of idea, not just a feeling, not just an emotion. There, there could be a sense of uh, more of a robust word might be joy in the Lord mm-hmm. um, that comes from understanding one's position in Christ, what you're just saying. Right. There's a joy that's there that is not feelings and emotions based, but it's, it's rooted in fact, right. in a reality of one's being brought from darkness into light. Uh, this, this, the, the Christians going from being dead to alive only right. by, by God in Christ, right? Right. So this, this peace, this joy, this security um, belongs to the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked and does not stand in the way of sinners does not sit in the seat of scoffers. So what you see is this this formula that's being um, laid out before us. This, this man doesn't involve himself in the ways of the world, um, the wickedness uh, with wicked people in his thinking or in his behaving or in his belonging. In other words, he doesn't gather the counsel of the world, the popular ideas and philosophies and advice of the world as part of what he lives out. 
He, he's blessed because he rejects this counsel of the wicked. And, and then he, he, he behaves in such a way that he can't be categorized with the sinner. He, he's not part of the wicked's philosophies and ideas and thinking, and nor is he behaving in the way that a sinner behaves. And not only that, but he doesn't then uh, allow himself to be uh, included in the groups or in the meeting places or in the uh, categories in which those who are scoffing and laughing at God, mocking at God, um, and making fun, if you will. So this is a person who, for example, the single person who doesn't listen to the popular philosophies and cultural ideas about sexuality and the hookup culture and getting involved in those kinds of things. Uh, They don't listen to that counsel, nor do they involve themselves in the ways that the world would live, nor do they group themselves with the people who do these things. The the blessed man would not come up with a conclusion to say that, God just desires me to be happy, and He knows what I what I like. And why would why on earth would He want me to live in such a way that is contrary to what what I feel is going to make me happy? Right. He would He would not come to the conclusion to say that um, you just be you and, and pursue your desires. Right? This right. is not what the blessed man. That would be the way of the world. That would be presented. The blessed man recognizes the danger in that, right? Right. And this would be also, as another example, this would be the man or the woman that would uh, not laugh at the crude office jokes, not include themselves with the um, popular Netflix um, flick that uh, would uh, mock God, that would uh, not speak well of biblical things or spiritual things. Uh, So this is the person who guards their life uh, by who they hang out with, what they read, what they're watching, what they're hearing, how they're behaving as a result of uh, their rejection. This blessed man is rejecting some things. Yes. And separating himself from the larger population. There's a distinct uh, drawing away from. I'm... The, the, the larger group is here, and I'm, I'm pushing, I, there, I am uh, consciously separating myself, as the man would say, right. from this. Right. So this man rejects some things, but he, then he, he also enjoys some things. Verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's right. So his joy, he finds great um, intentionality. Uh, if you will, in finding time uh, to be in the law of the Lord. Whether that be gathered worship, um, gathered opportunity to study the Bible with others, or even personal reading and uh, study of the Bible. He he delights in that. That's right. That's right. And I would say that verse 2 is the reason for verse 1. Yes. So we have, he doesn't arbitrarily separate himself from the counsel of the wicked or the way of sinners or the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He knows what God's will is and what God's desire is for him, and therefore he separates. Right. That we have a, 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 a grammatical term, indicative, that he knows what is good for him, mm-hmm. which is laid out for him in the word of God. 
and therefore he knows what isn't good for him. And he does the imperative. That's right. The imperative he is flees he flees sin. That's right. He doesn't walk in the counsel <laughs> that's right. of the wicked or stand in the that's right. way of sinner nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That's right. Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. And not only that, but he meditates on it day and night. He reflects upon it. He ponders it. He he um, chews it like a cow would chew a cud, just uh, continually chewing that and regurgitating and then bringing it back up and chewing it again. I know that's kind of crude, but that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing with that. We all know what it's like to be thinking about something that is so important to us and we can't get it out of our mind and we can't think about anything else. Mm -hmm. That's all we think about day and night. Maybe it's a financial situation that's a burden or a job situation or a family situation. And that's all, this is the idea that when you're meditating day and night on the law of the Lord and what God wants for you, you don't have the ability to multitask. You can't be thinking about what the world thinks or there, there's this uh, consuming nature yes. of of intentionality. The, the the blessed man knows that what God has said is primary, and everything else is tertiary or secondary right. uh, of importance. Right, and, and and this man wouldn't shirk the responsibilities that he would have toward family or toward job or any of those kinds of commitments. Obviously, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, that's not what. Right, that's not even. That's the, not what we're. That's not what we mean. Right. <laughs> um, he though is is. Um, Loving God's word, living God's word, and he's learning God's word. Amen. And say that again. That's worth saying <laughs> two times. He's loving God's word, and I would say it this way the second time. He's loving God's word, he's learning God's word, and he's living God's word. That's excellent. That's worth the money for the episode right there. <laughs> well, it's not original with me. I will tell you that for certain. <laughs> but but the, the thing that is happening by this man being blessed or at peace and, and security and joy in union with God is because his delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, and then his obedience in doing that. And the result is verse 3. He is like, this is, this is a metaphor, this is a picture for us to, to think about. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's a, a purposeful planting. It's not some random planting out here, but it's a planting of this tree by streams of water, abundant water, plenty of water. And that water is the law of the Lord that nourishes him spiritually and the result is that there is fruit that is yielded it produces the right amount of fruit in the proper way because of the impact of the law of the lord um it yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither yeah and i i want to bring even my my mind always is looking for new testament allusions and and things that, that jesus or paul brings from the from the old testament but my mind immediately thinks that this this man who is blessed is drinking from the living water. Right. And who do we know that is? Yes, right? Jesus. Jesus. Right. Right. This this man is being uh, sustained and nourished by the living water. Right. 
And so this is an agricultural picture. I sure. mean, obviously, this is uh, sure. scripture, and so it uses a lot of agri- agricultural kind of metaphors. Yeah. But this man, this blessed man, is like a strong tree, and, and he is rooted, and he has an abundance of a nourishment, and it, it doesn't wither, and it produces the right fruit. That, that And if we want to just say this quickly as a, a parenthesis, it doesn't mean that... Um, that the the life does not get difficult because the tree has storms and weather and wind and those kinds of things, right? In of fact, course, it, of it, course. Com- it comes to in all that he does. The, the The metaphor is over. The metaphor of the tree is over. In all that he does, he prospers. And what does that mean? Yeah, that's tricky a little bit. Well, it can be tricky because our minds today, we think about this word prosper, and we have such a narrow definition for mm-hmm. this word. Mm-hmm. We think about money. Right. That's, that's, your, that's pro, Someone who's prosperous is well-to-do with money. Right. They've got more money than they know what to do with. They've right. been successful in an earthly sense. But what we know from Scripture is that those who God bless. Uh, those who God blesses uh, are prosperous, and it almost always, I don't know that any example would really, except for maybe Solomon, almost always the example is this spiritual riches in Christ that we have in like Ephesians chapter one, blessed uh, beyond all measure in mm. Christ of the blessings. Right. Um, but you're right, Duffy. We, we tend to think that the idea of prosper and when when somebody would surface read this particular psalm, they would think, "Oh, and all he does, he prospers." That means personal happiness, personal um, um, security. It means health. It means um, you know purpose of what I want to accomplish, my comforts, my conveniences. But but it's really explained for us in all that he does. He prospers. He doesn't. St- listen to, walk with the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinner, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That's how he prospers. He doesn't involve himself in the consequences of selfish um, disobedience. He doesn't involve himself with the selfishness of um, the life that would uh, seek its own pleasure. Yep. Its own purpose in yeah. and of itself. Yeah, it's it's it, it's the idea of prospering being those spiritual benefits. Yeah, and we have like other psalms in this book. Even I think it's in the sixties, maybe the late sixties, sixty six, sixty seven. Uh, you can check that later on, listener. But we have this where the psalmist cries out to the Lord, "Why do the wicked prosper?" That can't be an earthly sense that we're talking about. You can't have the wicked prospering and the righteous man prospering, and it be the same thing. We're not talking about right. uh, earthly gain here. Right. We see the, the righteous man who is desiring the law of the Lord and to love the law of the Lord and to live according to the Lord seems oftentimes the one who is the, the least earthly prosperous. Right. And we, we're, Lord, why? You right, know, right. We're doing everything, and the Lord says... Don't what fret. I, what, what I have for you coming, which the Christian is always forward-looking, right? Yes. Es- eschatological hope. Right. As Paul says in um, 
Second Corinthians, uh, this um, momentary light this affliction momentary. is yes. creating for us an eternal weight of glory. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But also, uh, you said it, Psalm 37, remember, talks about uh, don't fret over uh, the evildoer. That's and the exactly supposed, right. Because uh, who is the avenger? Who is the just, the just judge over all men? Right. It's not you or me. It's not even kings on this earth. Right. It is the Lord. Right. So the writer then continues in Psalm 1 and gives us the this very drastic contrast from going from a tree to chaff that the wind drives away. So what he's about to explain is that uh, the wicked are not like the blessed man. The wicked then, and we're going to have to answer that question, who are the wicked in just a minute? But the wicked are then like the chap, the, the husk that comes off the kernel of the wheat that is um, um, blown away by the wind. That's what the wicked are like. Yes. And so... And we have references in the New Testament about the, the chaff and the wheat and the tares and those sorts of things too. So we even have all sorts of New Testament allusions here that we that we could point toward the wicked and the righteous and that sort of thing. Right. And, and the implication is that the wicked would be the one who's walking in the counsel of the wicked and, and, not st- and standing, rather, in the way of sinners and sitting with the seat of scoffers. Um, that's who that would be. Um, but we have to, I mean, it's a pretty harsh contrast. It is. You've got the blessed man and you've got the wicked. And so how do we understand the wicked? And I think in our culture, and when, well, let me put it this way. When we read this psalm in Christian culture now, we think, okay, the good people are the blessed man and the bad people are we the We turn wicked. it into a moralistic yes. situation, yes. which we can't. Right. So the wicked then uh, wouldn't um, necessarily be only defined by um, adopting worldly philosophies and uh, walking in the ways of uh, sinners, but they would also be defined perhaps by the fact that they don't do some of those things, but they don't have any real interest in God. They don't have any spiritual desire for God. They don't delight in God's law. Um, They might have some surface relationship with it, and they certainly don't meditate on it, it's not even part of the, what they do in their life. They're, they're just people who perhaps are good. They take their kids to soccer practice. They pay their taxes. They go to the school board meeting. They, they donate to um, blood ministries. Um, you know, they, they do all of these things, but they really don't have any interest in spiritual things, and they don't have any interest in God's. So I'm trying to just say that the wicked aren't always defined by what we see in the beginning of the Psalms, first verse, but the wicked are also defined by their just their lack of interest, their apathetic, apathetic attitude toward God. Well, we have to use as well, I think that the clearest separation here isn't behavior, can't, we can't relegate this wicked and righteous thing to behavior because we have Christians who don't behave well as they ought, and we have uh, non-Christians who behave oftentimes 
according to an earthly standard, better. With kindness, with with generosity. That's right. That's right. So it can't be possibly a moral issue that we're talking about. Mm. Although I do think there is a moral aspect to this. Sure. But I think that the contrast, like what you're saying, is either uh, the wicked is those who are in Adam, who are not in Christ, in Romans 5. And we have this contrast. um, Those Mm. who are wicked and condemned... Of course, we our doctrine of sin has to come into play here. Mm-hmm. Our doctrine of salvation has to come into play here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have pretty much there's two camps, and you can't you're not going to be able to identify the wicked or the righteous necessarily externally. Mm-hmm. This not is not always. externally. There right. is an element of external. Yes, but um, and the, and the end result is found in the in the last part of. The psalm, the last two verses. Yes. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They they won't stand. Um, what is the person who says, "Well, God, I really didn't have a lot of interest in you in life." What does that person say when they stand before God? They're going to be blown away by the like chaff. Right. <laughs> literally, they will not be around for very long. Yeah, they're the not judgment. going to stand. They literally will not have a leg to stand on. Yes, stand on. So, uh, sinners in in the congregation, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, though they will not stand. That is, sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. There's a separation. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we not only have the contrast of the two people, the two ways, but the the, the two endings. The two endings, yes. yes. So Boy, what a stark contrast to open up the book of Psalms, right? Wow, this is, yes, and this is the... Uh, Introduction, obviously, to the book of Psalms. We don't have time, but if you read Psalm 2, yep. it, it will give you the answer for who the man is. But we're about to do that without yeah. looking at Psalm 2. <laughs> so so that's the question, right, Duffy? Yeah. We, we started who, the episode. Who is the man, Jason? Yeah. Who is the man? It's not you, and it's not me. <laughs> because, listen, when we look at this and we work through the early verses and uh, the one who doesn't listen to the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat uh, way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, we recognize we can't do that. We haven't done that. But who is the one who has done that? Who is the one that has never in any way taken um, any counsel from the wicked or stand? stand in the way of sinners or sit with the seat of scoffers? Who is the one who is delighted in the law of God and meditated on that law day and night? And here's where we we go back all the way. If you let me, Duffy, I know we've been um, 25 minutes or more into the podcast, but... Well, I'll tell you this. Our faithful listeners will stick with us here. Right, right. Hang on. We're getting to the end. (laughs) This is the good part. So I think... We're not Jews. We're reading this as Christians. But if we were Jews and we were reading this after the exile, because this is when the Psalms would have been written after the exile, after a disobedience that caused the the people to be exiled out of the land. And so they would begin to think, okay, uh, Deuteronomy 17, 17 and 18 would teach the king of Israel what he is supposed to do and what how he is supposed to relate to God. And one of the things he's supposed to do, he is to write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical 
priest. That is, he's to take the law of God and he's to handwrite it and he is to do that because he causes him to meditate and think about what he's uh, writing and how that law then applies to him being a leader. I, I, I think about the people would have not only known that, but they would have thought about uh, Joshua. Yeah, let me pause. This is so good right here that you brought up Deuteronomy 17. Mm-hmm. If you go to the next verse, uh, verse 19 in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, it continues, And it shall be with him, which is this the copy of the law, he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing him, doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, so that the law humbles, right? Mm-hmm. Puts things into perspective, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or the left, so may continue long in the kingdom he and his children. I mean, what a parallel to, right, to right. the blessed man. Now, let me, let's ask really quickly a question. Did any king of Israel fulfill that? No, that's the point. No, not yes. a single king, not right. even David. Not even David. And we're getting there. Right. And David, remember, is the one who wrote Psalm 19 that uh, extols the beauty of the law and the the work of the law and the power and the authority and the sufficiency of the law. But he didn't keep it. He didn't do what we read in Psalm 1. Joshua, I would mention to him just a moment ago, remember one of the, the things that God says to Joshua when he's about to take over for Moses, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Prosperous, there's our word, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a connection between keeping the law of God and God's blessing on that person and the prosperous nature of their life. Right. Who can keep the law of God? Who has kept the law of God? Right. It wasn't Joshua. Joshua didn't. It wasn't any of the kings. In fact, remember, That's right. we mentioned David. It wasn't any of the kings after David or even as David um, really um, admonishes and encourages Solomon. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 2, David says to Solomon, be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules and his testimonies and it is as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do. There it is again. Right. So Solomon didn't do it. We know the story of Solomon without taking any more time to yeah, reflect yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. But who did? When Jesus comes... And he's walking among people who think that they are the man That's in right. Psalm 1. That's right. The, we have kept the law. How many right. times do we see that? Yeah. Well, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says this, 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 right? To be, um, obviously, he's, uh, he's probing. <laughs> right. And he gets the arrogant answer, I've kept the law. What else do I need to do? Right. But it wasn't those people either. That's right. It, it was only Jesus, as we've already said. And so Jesus is the blessed man in Psalm 1. Amen. Um, ultimately. That doesn't mean that it changes the reality for us. Um, because we do still 
uh, need to be like this man. The difference is now we can be empowered to do that because we have come to faith in Christ and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And now our obedience is out of a power that comes to us that we would not otherwise have. That's right. We would be listening to the counsel exactly. of the wicked, etc. Exactly. So we know in the New Testament that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And there is no delighting or desiring of the law of God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Who has regenerated us, given us a new nature. He's replaced the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. And we cry, Abba, Father, right? We right. have this, this inner longing for the, the things of God. Right. And let's end with this. Yeah. The good news for us as believers is this is where we find our rest. Amen. Jesus so did good. this for us. Yes. Jesus did it. So now I can't earn any more righteousness, any more perfection. Um, yes, I must be obedient, but I can know that what has been accomplished for me is finally and it's done. It, we don't have to um, fret and worry and try to, to, to somehow create more righteousness because a perfect righteousness has already been given and it's completed for that's us. That's right. That's right. We find our rest here. Our rest is in our adoption and in the assurance that Christ gives us through his righteousness. Right. Uh, beautiful, beautiful things to end the episode on. So the man in Psalm 1 is Jesus. Ultimately, the, the fulfillment of Psalm 1 is Jesus. Jesus uh, is the man. But it's also you and I. It is you and I. It's and, a, there's a double emphasis there. Right. Certainly. Right. Well, listener, thank you for, for hanging with us. A little bit longer episode, but that's it for today's episode. Thanks for once again taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget, though, before you go, like and share our podcast Wherever you are, maybe on your phone, uh, share a link, share it on social media, send it through an email, uh, whatever the case may be. We'd love for you to pass this episode along and any other episodes as well. And don't forget, last thing, we have an option on our uh, website, bbcemory.org, on our media tab. You scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and there's a little uh, a comment box that you can leave either a comment or um, ask a question for us to consider at a future date on the podcast. But until next time, grace and peace be with you all. Mm -hmm.